Are you all calm now? It's podcast breathing. (laughs) Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, people. Hi, Shan. Hi, hon. Hi. So here's the deal, folks. Later on in this episode, we are going to be doing a news of palooza <laughs> There's just a couple big news items that happened since our last podcast that we thought we would just dive into a little bit, a little bit more depth and detail and maybe rant and rave about them a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. Stick around for that. Stick around. Spoiler alert, could be more ranting than raving. <laughs> uh, first people, though, in very brief today, Misfit Stars is how our people support the work that we do. You're our people. Please support our work. Yeah. Misfitstars.com slash support. Mis- End of ad. Misfitstars.com slash support. Yeah, thanks. Okay, great. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, announcements, announcements, announcements. That was a good one. Good version of the song, I Thank you very much. There's like a bunch of announcements today, actually. So, okay. The first announcement is that uh, we now, at long last, finally have an official release day for 2020-101, the album. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. It is Friday, October 22nd. Mark your calendars. That's the day that it will be available uh, everywhere you stream music. We will have CDs. Uh, If you contributed to our fundraiser for our friend Michelle last spring, we'll be mailing you a CD if you want one. Um, All sorts of good things. In celebration of that release, the following day, Saturday, October 23rd, Uh we're going to be doing a live virtual concert. Wow. Woohoo! Open to the public. Just it's a one night only performance. You might remember that we uh, got all prepared for one show we were planning to do this summer at a festival mm. and it got canceled because of COVID. Mm. Well, we we are repurposing and reimagining in some ways that show because obviously a show's going to be a little different if it was on a festival stage versus on a virtual medium. Mm-hmm. So we're reimagining that show, uh, repurposing that show for for everyone. The benefit is that anyone worldwide can come. Yeah. Like it's basically it, going to be the festival show, but just like with flashing lights <laughs> and in our basement. <laughs> so you but know, it's going to be like way more awesome than I just made it sound. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So honestly, it's it's a it's a win win. Like I, we're going to be doing the show that we were hoping and planning to do in August. For which, you know, we would have done it for however many hundreds of people at that festival, but it would have been very localized. This, anywhere on planet Earth you live, where there's an internet connection, you can join in. Uh, we're going to have details. Perhaps ca- Timbuktu. Yeah, exactly. They have internet there. Probably. Uh, we'll have details about how to join the concert. Oh, oh, oh. Very, what? very fun part. Like, addendum announcement to this mm. is that after the virtual concert is over, mm. we're going to be having a Misfit Stars exclusive after party. Yeah. So, uh, the virtual concert will be, you know, anyone, is, it'll be open to the public. Uh, but after the concert's over, live, uh, we'll, we will end the concert and then join a private Zoom just with our Misfit Stars members for a hangout after party. It's going to be really fun. That's going to be super fun. Yes. So, that's, uh, announcement numbers sort of like one, two, and three, but really just one all rolled into And three B. One. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have an announcement three about B, Shannon. Three B part two slash A. I don't We're know. We're getting really like lawyery yeah. with these announcements. <laughs> so I have an announcement What's and it's it? about what? personal songs. Oh, yeah, okay. So people, here's the deal. 
We are opening up holiday personal songs this year way, way earlier than we usually do. Yeah. Usually we don't even like open the doors for those for two solid months from right now. Usually yeah. it's like right around middle of November. We're like, hey, if anyone wants one for the holidays, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, solstice, whatever it might be. End of you the know? year, beginning of the new year. Yeah, yeah. normally- Say that you were born on, you know, December 24th. That, if, uh, that's for you. That's your holiday. That's you know? so true. Uh, we're doing it in a way longer personal song season this Why? year. And the reason for that is we want to open it up to way more people. Because, you know, something that we realize, an insight that we kind of had over this last year, is that by waiting so long each year, and we just kind of had to because of our touring oh, season. Yeah. You know, we just like, we'd get off tour at the end of October, we'd take like a two-week breather, and then be like, oh gosh, we have to do personal songs. Yeah, we just didn't have the time to do this Because before. we have so much extra time in our fall schedule that yep. we're not on tour, yep. what that that means is that Shannon can be writing these songs earlier, which means that she can give people who need more time to plan ahead for the holidays yeah. that extra time that they need. Because this is something that we've heard from people before. Like, I would have loved to know about this a month ago, yeah. but I've already made my plans for like my big Christmas gift or my yeah. big whatever it is, yeah. you know? You know, some people want to make a big gesture this around the holidays. Yeah. This is what that is. Yeah. Uh, my dad always had like a marquee present that yeah. you would give to my mom. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Uh, and it's like, it's, it's that kind of a present. And so we're giving people actually time to prepare this year. Yes. First time ever. It's really cool. Amazing. So long story short, you can have a personal song for the holidays. Shannon will write it for you. It is literally the best gift ever. Mm -hmm. Because what she does is she asks you who you want to give this to, who you want it to be about. Maybe you want it to be for your grandma about the amazing life she has lived and the tribulation she has overcome and the amazing family that she raised. Yeah. You know, Shannon just did one like that recently. It was so special. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like we get to know these people's life stories because Shannon walks you through this amazing like set of questions that she custom makes just for you to get you writing just on email paragraphs about whomever it is and whatever the situation is. Yeah. And then she reads through all the stuff that you've written for her and from the stuff that you have written, she draws the theme of the song and sometimes the actual like lyrics, like she's not expecting you to write poetically, but sometimes she'll just take a snippet or a phrase or like one little thing that you had to say that you don't even realize you've said it a couple of times, but it turns out it's like the magical thing that connects all the dots for this situation. I have a thing. I have like, I have got radar for that kind of thing. I can it's weird. see, I can read somebody's writing and be like, I can, I know what's important to them. It's so neat, you guys. And then she just writes a beautiful song and she <laughs> records herself singing it and then I take it in my studio and I mix it and I make it sound really emotional and good mm -hmm. and then we send it to you and you play it for the person who it's for and you blow their freaking mind. Everybody cries Everybody in a good cries. way. Yeah, it's and good. Shannon gets an email like two days later being like, I'm sorry it took me two days to write. We've been crying the entire time. Honestly... <laughs> That's oftentimes the email I get. <laughs> it's really kind of great. And actually, people, I just need to let you know, it would be better if you actually could just like write Shannon an email a little quicker than that because she's an artist and she's insecure. She sends, I swear to God, you guys, she sends each one of these out. Yeah. And she doesn't hear back for 24 hours and she's like, they hate it. And then like, you know, 18 hours later, she gets the most gushing email in the history of emails. Like her email is wet somehow. It's gushing so hard. And... And like, <laughs> of course they love it. Why wouldn't they love it? But really that 18 hours of torment, we don't need that. So just maybe send the email quicker. That's it's, just a little, if you do one of these, just know that. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. I mean, like, 
And I know, I know. Like when I finish a song, like I won't send a song that I'm not like stoked on. You know, like I I write songs and finish them. And once it's sent out, like it's a song that I really believe in. You know what I mean? Like it is definitely not like, I'm not going to send a, I'm not going to phone The word you're looking for is crap. I'm not going to send crap. So like, I know I believe in it. And also I quality control this stuff. Yeah. Because if Shannon brings me a song and I don't think it's good, because I'm from the East Coast, You'll I will just, just feel like so. I will hold her hand. I'll be like, sweetheart, this is not your best work. You've literally never done that for a personal song. It's true. The personal but, songs you kind of nail. But here's the I thing. have done that for ones that you okay. thought, thought were going to be on an album. And then I was like, I don't know. Yeah. And then I've talked you out of it and it's everybody's favorite. So anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing. With, I, like I know in my brain when I send something out, I believe in it. Like, and I, like I, yeah. I, I know it. And I, and I, and I know that probably the person's going to love it. When I don't hear back, though, my brain plays all these tricks on me where I'm like, they probably hate it. And like, it's just, it, I, it, it, that's my stupid artist brain. That's mm-hmm. just, it's always going to happen. So people send the email quicker is the, is the moral <laughs> of that story. But we're getting ahead of ourselves because you haven't even asked Jan to do your song yet. Yeah. If you want to do that, just send her an email. You can email her at skc at shannoncurtis.net. That's just her initials, SKC. You might be like, what's the K for? It's for Caroline. It's a familial <laughs> name on the female side. It's true. You it's could really also, neat. if it's easier to remember, just Shannon at MisfitStars.com will be fine Oh, as that's well. true. I was yeah. kind of thinking about your Shannon Curtis email. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, the MisfitStars one. No. Shannon at MisfitStars.com. No worries. Hey, one one more thing to add to this. Mm. Um, I have made available in my schedule 10 spots mm-hmm. for personal songs for yep. this holiday. So to have ample time to write and record all of them, 10 spots available. Yeah. So get one of those spots by sending me an email. I'll send you all of the information about like, we have a couple different project options, yeah. different ways you can go and the pricing for each of them. And uh, let's do this. And so just so you guys know what the two options are, by the way, because it's really neat. Option one is kind of what you'd expect. It's like what you might hear Shannon performing at like one of her uh, backyard concerts. It's like her playing keyboard and singing, right? Just like an acoustic song, we yes. call that. But there's this other option where we'll do a full production song. Like, so it sounds like something off of 202101 or Revolutionary Act of Optimism, like a big Shannon Curtis song. A full studio production. Yeah, we can do that too. Like most people don't do that, but every so often oh, we get to do one. It's real fun. I love it when we get to do that. We got to do one of those last year. Yeah, and, it was cool. Oh, it was so fun. It was so fun. Anyway, Shannon at MisfitStars.com. Send me an email and uh, ask me for information about personal songs. I will send it back to you, the information, and we'll go from there. Yeah, it's a really nifty gift, y'all. Yeah. Shannon's done almost 90 of these. She asked me the other day how many she's done. Uh, no, she's, it's, it, yeah, it's almost 90. Yeah, yeah, 87. Wow. Yeah, that's so many dreams that you have encapsulated and in songs for people for all time. It's that's really magical. A really lovely way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. Aww, oh, maybe I, I should write it. the songs. Damn. Yeah, maybe you should. Yeah. I'll outsource to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right on. This I, is the fifth song you've written this week called Grandma, I Love You. What the hell, Jamie? What? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that does it for announcements. Yeah, that it, does do it for it announcements. Does. So, so, Jamie, man, what good announcements. I Dang. know. How are you feeling right now, Jamie? <sighs> it's nice of you to ask, sweetheart. Yeah, so, uh, it's in the script I had to ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing it because I care. And I want to make sure the listeners know this. <laughs> no, I care. I care. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> the sincerity. Can you feel it dripping over the microphone, people? No, I really do want to know. I know. Sincerely. I know. No, and you know what I want to tell you? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling, honestly, better than I have in weeks. Aww. And the reason for this is that uh, last week, 
I had not been feeling good for a while. And I had been straightforward about that on the podcast. My ups, my downs, my, I'm doing okay today, but yesterday wasn't so good. You know, y'all, y'all know. It yeah. was, there's a lot of us out here who have been just kind of having a go of it mentally, emotionally mm-hmm. speaking over this last year, year and a half. It's just, especially in 2021, this weird time machine we're in where it's like, we're, it's almost like 2020 again. Like what the hell? Well, you, uh, not to, to take us out of this conversation, but like, uh, didn't you find this chart in an article recently? Like the number of people who report having like mental health, mental health issues. Yeah. Quadrupled. Quadrupled over the last year and a half. Yeah. It's like, wild. It's affecting a lot of all of us. A lot of us. Yeah. yeah. Four, I mean, really, four times as many. <laughs> right. Of us. Yeah. Right. It's it's not good. And I was one of them. You know what I mean? I was one of those statistics yeah. for sure. So I actually last week did something about it, and I just sort of felt compelled to do it. And I frankly wish I had felt compelled to do it much sooner because mm. it made me feel so good. Mm. Here's what I did. I just took the better part of a day and I sat with my laptop and I did a very thorough personal inventory yeah. and I did long form journaling. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I do that, what that looks like is I just, first I just write, I type, 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 and I just write, I mean, as much as will come out of me and it's not really ordered and it's just mm-hmm. almost more like what they call automatic writing where or- you just write what's coming out of your brain. You don't filter it, you don't judge it, you just get it out for a Stream of consciousness writing. It's called automatic writing, but yeah. My teachers called it stream of consciousness writing. Get out of town. Yeah. Well, there you go. And so, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be like snarky. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Stream of consciousness writing. Yeah, I mean, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You guys get the idea, right? It's another phrase for it. Yeah. It is. And so- then what I do though, I don't stop there. I go back and edit, 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 edit. You know, like if you want to take a piece of marble and you want to like sculpt something out of it, say that I want to carve a sculpture of like Shannon, right? I was going to say the statue of David. <laughs> the, the way that you do it is you start with the marble and you carve away everything that isn't Shannon. And then you stop. Okay, yeah. And I kind of did the same thing with the writing. I just Uh edited and edited and edited until what was left was the truth, Ah. you know? And anything that didn't feel right instinctively as I read back over, I read this thing to myself like probably 50 times. Mm. And anything, because also like the more you edit something, the more you get to know it. Because it's a brand new baby thing that's just out in the world when you first write it. Yeah. And then like you just got to get to know it. Mm-hmm. better and better and better. It's like working on a mix for a song. Yeah. You know, I can't do a mix for a song in 20 minutes. I can get it sounding 80% of the way in 20 minutes, no problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got quick skills like that. But like to get it to really be the thing that it needs to be takes just getting to know it. You just listen and mm-hmm. listen and listen. And it's the same way with writing something, I think. Yeah. You just keep editing and editing and editing and eventually you you end up with what it is supposed to be with what's true. Mm -hmm. And so that was a way for me to identify what I was feeling Mm -hmm. and how I was feeling about it and why. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that process, I took an abstracted version of it and I posted it a couple of places just in case it would benefit somebody else. It had to do with sobriety as so many of the things inside me tend to, you know, tie back into there because, you know, sobriety related issues tend to be at the root of any kind of discomfort I'm feeling. And I don't mean like Mm -hmm. I was drinking. I don't mean it like that or that I was thinking about it. I just mean like the ways in which my brain will go off the rails the way I can get back from that tends to have roots in my sobriety tools. Mm -hmm. And this was no exception. So I shared it and that was great. And ever since then, 
I have just felt really unburdened of all that stuff. That's great. And it's one of those interesting situations where like the specifics of my situation haven't changed at all. Yeah. It's just that my relationship with them has mm. and it's gotten just much better. Mm. I'm no longer burdened, it feels like, by like what's going on in the world mm. or my relation to it. Like I just kind of feel like I'm more accepting, mm. more at peace with mm-hmm. what's going on and not really all in my feelings about it, which is great because I was all in my feelings kind of all summer. Yeah. And you know, that's fine. You know, it's what I had to do in that time. Yeah. But it's, you know, I, I, it's way better not being like that. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, and and we were throwing some curveballs this summer too, you know, emotional curveballs. I mean, everyone was. Everybody was. And, you know, like, yes, we, we were throwing the ones that the that the society at large was thrown with COVID-related stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was some, you know, personal stuff too. And yeah. And so like, it's, it's not unreasonable that you would be all up in your head yeah. <laughs> about stuff, but yeah. I also, I'm really glad that you were able to process that stuff in a way that makes you feel freer. Now I can tell you from my outside perspective of just observing you in your day to day, since you did that journaling exercise, mm-hmm. that inventory exercise, that you just seem more you. Yeah. You, you seem good. Great. I'm happy. And that surely... Uh, makes your life a little better, and that's good. Oh, I'm not. I'm not thinking about it from from what how it's benefiting me. <laughs> I know that, but yeah. But as your partner, yeah. I want to provide you the best possible Jamie Hill experience. <laughs> the Jamie Hill experience guarantee satisfaction guarantee. That's right. Service with a smile. <laughs> Ew. I'm so glad. <laughs> oh gosh, now I'm thinking. Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> service. Quote, unquote. All right, moving on, moving on. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad uh, you're feeling well. Thank you. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Uh, Yeah. Um, I I feel, hmm, stable. Hey, that's good. Emotionally speaking. Great. Um, I feel, uh, I'm excited. Uh, We're getting in the car tomorrow to go see my mom for her birthday. Yeah. And uh, that's going to be, that's going to be nice. Yeah. I'm excited for that. I'm excited that we get to do that. I mean, like last year, she turned 70 last year and we were all in like pandemic isolation. And so we did not get to see her on her 70th birthday. Mm-mm. And, um, you know, it just feels good to be able to go and do something special. I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit bummed because the initial plan several months ago when we thought that travel was opening up again, you know, that it was going to feel better to, to do like plane travel, we were going to bring her up here on yeah. an airplane and we're going to show her our beautiful Washington state in early fall. And, you know, um, and, and that isn't happening because she's not feeling good about getting on a plane yet, which I completely understand. That's honestly kind of good though, because like the whole whole premise was every time your mom has been up here it's been in a rainy season and she just thinks of it as being this dreary rainy rainy place i bet you know and there's so much more to it it does rain here but there's so much more diversity weather wise and it's wonderful and it's beautiful especially in the autumn you know and we were going to have her come up for this weekend and it was just going to be this wonderful early autumn experience for her well guess what there's this like torrential super soaker like thunderstorm two day long thunderstorm three days three day long so yeah. basically the entire time that she would have been here it would have been, been not just rainy cats and dogs 
Oh, ridiculous. Yeah. Like literally, we're going to get 10 times more rain in three days than we've gotten all in summer. In the last three months. Combined. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's so crazy. It, it kind of worked out for the best. It did. It totally did. But, you especially because we would have been like, you wait and see this time. I know. It's going to be great. <laughs> and she would have been like, you know what? I just think you guys are full of shit. Yeah, she would not have used that word, but yeah. No. No. <laughs> no. So she, I'm excited she, for that. every so often these days will say shit. No. Yes, she will. What? Not casually. Not casually. She, but she, she'll deploy it if she's feeling very serious about something. Like I don't I, recall this. She has used it maybe as many as two times over the last like three years, <laughs> and it's only in a very serious moment when only a serious word will do. But she's really like added it to her vocabulary. Okay. I think that's growth. Interesting. Yeah, I do not recall, but I believe you. Yep. I'll choose to believe you. Yep. So how I'm feeling? That's I, what I, we're, I kinda, we're talking about how I'm feeling. I kind of want to like take a little credit for that too. Okay. Would she be lightly sweary if no, it weren't for me? Probably it's not. You. It's all you. Thank you. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling. Stable. I feel like excited oh, right. about the trip. About yeah, uh huh. I'm feeling annoyed that we're not talking about how I'm feeling. Um, no, I'm good. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on an even keel, and I will. I'm gratitude. I'm grateful for that. Great. So cool. Um, how about we fire up the good news machine? Give me oh, some. Oh heck yeah! Give me some good news, Jamie. What wow. have you got? That was weirdly aggressive. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I liked it. I liked it. It wasn't bad. Uh, Give me the good news. Give me the goddamn good news. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's a horror movie about good news. Oh, no. My good news is that, uh, so there's this organization called Run for Something. Yeah. And what they do is they just provide resources for people who are interested in running for office for the first time. Yeah. Like, uh, well, Run for Something, this, this, this organization, saw a 100% spike in people interested in running for office in the days immediately following the Texas abortion ban. Whoa. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Yes, it is. Wow. Yeah. And you got to imagine that like 85% of more women. I hope so. Who are like, you know what? F this. <laughs> Somebody else needs to be in charge. Yeah. Because clearly we have gone off the rails. Yeah. 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 The, the, wrong, the wrong people are making laws about vaginas around here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. That's good news. It's really, really good news. Yeah. Because that's what we need. You know, we need people just like stepping up. That's what, that's what, that's all that democracy is. I think that we can get really overwhelmed by the idea that like it's bought and paid for. And at a certain level, don't get me wrong, politics is a rich person's game. It has only ever been the way that the elite maintain power. And at a certain level, that's true. But we can absolutely influence the margins and the directions that well, things go. And we can absolutely, eventually, when we build enough power, change the fact that it's bought and paid for. Like, that's something we can change. Yeah. Eventually. Eventually. It's, so, we're not there yet, but, yeah. I mean, it requires... But, like, non-elites getting getting into elected offices, like, that's how that changes. Yeah. And, you know, run for something, bless them. They're doing amazing work that's connecting great. people with resources, you know. And if you're interested in running for, like, some local office, maybe you want to be on your school board. Yeah. My sister is on her school board. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you can actually influence how things happen in your local community yeah. with local office. Like, so much more of politics is local than I think we're led to believe by our media. For sure. Because they always just report on horse race politics at the national level. Yeah. But you know who has the 
the single most effect over how things go in your uh, in your municipality, like wherever you happen to live, uh, the district attorney is yeah. like number one, and then your council members. Yeah, those are the people who actually affect how things run in I don't know Tacoma, Los Angeles, mm-hmm. wherever. Like the city council, that's it. Those mm-hmm. are the people who literally decide like what the bylaws are that like govern how things happen in your city yeah. or your town or wherever yeah. you live. That's a thing that you can just run for. Mm-hmm. And you should do that if you want to. Yeah. As opposed to having a bunch of jackasses who don't have <laughs> your interests at heart, yeah. like running the show for you and you being mad about how things are going. Yeah. Like if you're, if you like how things are going, then that's cool. But if you're not happy, then run, run for office. Yeah. 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 Awesome. That's great news. How about you? What's in your good news machine? So my good news um, machine item is something that we're actually going to talk more in detail about in the second part of today's podcast. So we don't have to go into great detail now. But man, I was jumping up for joy, jumping up and down when the when President Biden last week uh, introduced his new slate of, let's say, incentives for people to get vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> These are goddamn vaccine mandates, people. We're not sugarcoating it. Well, you know, I mean, some of them are. Like yep. there are mandates for federal employees or are mandates for um, healthcare workers that receive Medicaid and Medicare uh, like in, in facilities that receive Medicaid yep. and Medicare payments. Also large yeah. corporations. No, no, no. I'm not, I, I'm specifically said there's, oh, oh, there's oh. mandates to be vaccinated yes. for those first two categories. Yes, that's right. The the larger corp- companies with that's 100 like people or more, yes, it's a, they want people to get vaccinated or tested. Yeah. So like it's not necessarily a mandate on these private companies like people are no. trying to say that, they're, that it is. But anyway. You know what it is? What? It's a testing mandate. But if employees want to <laughs> take the shortcut around that, you can get vaccinated. You can get vaccinated. There you go. It's really the, putting the choice in the hands of the employees. That's exactly it. It's really nice. The point being, though, they have taken a major step forward in, um, I mean, like they've done the cajoling. They've done the, we're trying to convince people to get it. We've, they've done all that and and have reached a point where we are, like our hospitals are overflowing <laughs> all over the country with this wave. And so they're doing something about it actually Actually, uh, incentives with a little bit, I guess there are more carrots and maybe a few more sticks also (laughs) in terms of getting people to get the shot. Yeah. And that was great news because that's- It's really mostly sticks. It's not like, I mean, the carrots was like like six months ago when like Ohio was like, if you get vaccinated, (laughs) we'll give you $100. Right. That's true. That's That's carrots. That's true. This is just sticks, really. And that feels appropriate to me. It's get vaccinated, you jackasses, or you will literally lose your job, idiots. the, the The reason that I found that I filed this under the good news machine is that vaccinations are how we're going to get out of this. This is how we're going to end this. And I am tired of this. Are you? <laughs> like, oh my we're God. all so tired of this. So like, this is how and we're going to get out. I'm not just tired. I'm also mad. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Anyway, that's good news. We're going to delve more into that. Uh, we're also going to delve more into something adjacent to your good news machine, which is the Texas abortion ban. Those are the, mm. two, the two items <laughs> we're going to tackle uh, in the second half of today's podcast and go into in more depth. That's so, class A foreshadowing. Stick around for that um but before we take a break uh what did we do these last couple weeks we were gone for two weeks oh man so the reason we didn't have a podcast last week is we took a little personal time and we used some of that personal time to do the cascade loop that's right which is this cool drive that you can do and because washington is not like a particularly massive state it's a really doable 
like loop drive that you can like do just like a few hours of driving a day mm -hmm. and have a bunch of time left over each day for hiking and sightseeing. Yeah. And so you go out highway two, uh, sort of to the east of like Seattle kind of, and then you hit this place called Wenatchee, which is just in the middle of BF nowhere in <laughs> Eastern Washington. It's like on the other side. It's, it's a part of Washington that looks like California. It's a desert. It side. does look like yeah. California. It looks there. exactly like Northern California out there, like the rolling Brown Hills, mm -hmm. um, just more kind of bigger and more epic, uh, uh, and kind of more vast for it, really. Mm -hmm. And then you go north on Highway 97 until you hit Highway 20 and you come back west. And it's just this really gorgeous, gorgeous scenic well, loop. Yeah, the, the the Highway 20 part of it is through the North Cascades, uh, mm -hmm. through the, uh, the North Cascades National Park, even. Mm -hmm. um, just absolutely beautiful vistas. Just like... I had seen photos of like some of the the lakes that you see, you know, set against these, you know, craggy mountain peaks and stuff. And mm -hmm. I'm like, that's, that looks fake. And then you get there and you're like, oh my gosh, that lake actually is emerald green. Yeah. But like <laughs> and those peaks. Opaque. Yeah. It was amazing. Like there's minerals in some of these lakes coming down from some of these mountains. Like imagine opaque green. Imagine something that if you didn't know it was just because of minerals, you'd be like, this is a super fun site. Yeah, it seriously. Looks, it looks like it could be an environmental disaster, <laughs> but as soon as, because it's like, you don't, you've never seen water that like looks like opaque, like you can't literally see two inches into it. Yeah. But then as soon as you know that it's just because of minerals, it's like, oh my gosh, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yeah. It was, it's like green water. Yeah, it was really awesome. It's like St. Patrick's Day. Like, you know how sometimes <laughs> they do fountains, like they put food no, coloring do, in yeah, yeah it's kind of like that <laughs> right really magical they really should stop put, putting food colorings in these beautiful national park lakes i mean it's biodegradable <laughs> and then by contrast there were some lakes that were so oh, perfectly clear you could see literally all the way to the bottom but at an angle across to the other shore uh, yeah it's stunning just awesome yeah yeah the the drive was great the the hikes were great the first hike we did was on this awesome trail that follows uh these these uh, old, what used to be railroad switchbacks for the original railroad that went over Stevens Pass. Yeah. Um, and so the railroad tracks aren't there anymore, but um, but the, the grade is there where they graded the mountain mm -hmm. to make the railroad be able to climb up the mountain. And also the still existing are like the entrance to these tunnels where they tunneled for the railroad and these huge concrete walls that were the supports for snowsheds to prevent uh, snow from landing on the tracks. Because it's like in a very steep avalanche part of the mountain. Yeah. Which is I why mean, they have to do switchbacks. So yeah, this railroad was built like in the early 1900s, so like a hundred years ago or more. Like a hundred. 110 years ago, 107, some of it, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and so I don't even recall when the railroad stopped being in use, but it's been a very long time yeah. since the, they were able to build a more efficient, newer <laughs> railroad pass, you know, that, that's now in use. They eventually just tunneled under like Stevens Pass. Yeah, so, but, but because it's been decades and decades and decades since this railroad was in existence, um, nature is taking over, <laughs> you know, yeah. like the tunnels are collapsed in the middle. You can't actually walk through the tunnel. You're not supposed to walk through the tunnels. The, like the, they're not all collapsed. There's definitely some that partial. you can you can see down to a vanishing point yeah. and it looks fine, but they could collapse at any time. So you can't really go in. Yeah, it's and so like mysterious. Moss is covering those concrete walls and vines crawling all over. It's really awesome. It's like you're in a Jumanji movie. It's really neat. But also just to be clear, there's no train tracks anymore. They took all the steel up. They took all the beams yeah. up. So it's just like a walk in the woods now. Like there's no evidence. You wouldn't know that a train had ever been there. Right. Like you, you know, if, if once you 
know to look. Except you're like, for the oh yeah, ghostly whistle of a train you hear in the distance, or did you? <gasps> dun dun dun! That was so spooky. Thank you. Well, it's mm-hmm. almost Halloween, so you know. It's autumnal. Uh, <laughs> Good. <laughs> that means you're probably going to get your noise machine out soon, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Man. It has to be October. Has you to be can't October. do it in September. Anyway, <sighs> that was an amazing hike. That was like, it was also a lot um, more challenging, I think, than either of us realized it was going to be. We ended up hiking like five or six miles mm-hmm. that day and like really just put our bodies to the test. The first mile was essentially it, vertical. Yeah, it was just straight up this hill. And so by the time we got to a restaurant, um uh that night to get something to eat we just wolfed down like <laughs> a giant plate of german food we found this german restaurant in a bavarian village called leavenworth and that's where we like just ate more uh jaeger schnitzel than i probably should ever eat in my entire life yeah <laughs> but i ate it all my whole plate oh, it was by myself so good. it was very good it wasn't exactly a plate it was a styrofoam thing we did it in the car because we just didn't COVID, feel yeah. super cool indoors covid eats like we were traveling through a lot of places that on the COVID spready map are bright, bright, bright red. Yeah. Like we didn't really want to be indoors anywhere. Yeah. Like we walk in, order, leave, come back, grab, go. Yeah. Yeah. But the trip, the Cascade Loop was awesome. The last day actually was uh, the loop takes you through uh, over to Whidbey Island and we'd never been to Whidbey Island before. That was really neat to see, um, to see that. It's just like a, this, it's like a sort of like rural island in the middle of the Puget Sound. It's, it's really lovely. It's very rural. It's farmy. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. Um, so that was just a really lovely trip. I think I was feeling particularly like emotionally uh, that week. Yes. <laughs> and there were lots of things going on in the world that were contributing to that. Um, lots of things. I mean, there was like the the evacuation from Afghanistan was happening and there were fires burning in California. I mean, there still are, but they were like particularly... You know, it was real threatening scary. to South people. South Lake Tahoe was potentially going to go down. It didn't. It did. Yeah, but man, it was on the edge. The Texas thing was happening. The, the it Texas was all thing bad. was happening. Yeah, flooding in back east. Like it was just all bad. And I was feeling really angsty. Mm-hmm. And being in nature really saved me. Like it was those moments when we were hiking that I wasn't thinking about the stuff that was stressing me out. So it was really, it felt really good to be out there. And it was very, very beautiful. So grateful for the opportunity to do that. And it was our anniversary at the, uh, at the tail end of all that too. So yeah. 12 years, congratulations to you and me. Good job, us. Yay. 12 years of marriage, wow. What? Just like that. Yeah, it went by very fast. We also, this last week, started staining our deck and painting the porch because <laughs> we are suburban moms and dads now. <laughs> And you know what? I enjoy this suburban dad shit. That I I'm enjoy on. it too, but that's probably all that y'all want to hear about our home maintenance yeah. projects. I, I just want you to know we keep it real around here, though. You know what I mean? Like if there's work that needs doing in our house, we do you it. guess who's doing it? It's just me and Shannon. That's right. Uh, we had our anti-racist book and movie club installment for the month. It was oh, great. Yeah, this was a discussion of the movie 13th. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, first of all, the film was amazing. Yeah. And if you haven't watched it, worth it's really worth getting. You can watch it for free on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, just Google 13th by Ava DuVernay and you'll find it. Like it's... Or 13th film, you'll find it. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's really, really worth watching. It was made... In cooperation with Netflix. So if you have a Netflix account, you can watch it there and the That's picture quality is about a thousand times true, better. True, yeah. Um, the discussion with our book and movie club was just phenomenal. It was real good. Um, I just really, I really, really appreciate the opportunity to learn and grow with these people. Yeah. Um, it was really great. So 
for those of you who were there, thank you. Um, for those of you who weren't there, I know that there were some of our regulars who couldn't make it this last time, which yep. is a bummer. Um, Beginning of September is always a real busy time for people, though. Sure. I, I get it. Yeah. But for those of you who weren't there and who haven't been there before and are thinking, oh my gosh, anti-racist book and movie club, I need that in my life. Yeah, you do. Well, we would love to have you there. If you're already a member of Misfit Stars, all you need to do is let us know that you want to come to the anti-racist book and movie club um, and we'll get you an invitation to that space online and you'll find out all the info. Mm -hmm. If you're not yet a member of Misfit Stars... What are you doing with your life? <laughs> do that first. We want Mis you. Misfitstars.com slash join. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you can ask to be invited into this space for Anti-Racist Book and Movie Club, and we would love to have you. So We had a brand new member in just uh, for this meetup. It was great. Her, it was the first time, or it was our dear friend, Jen. That's right. And she brought so much to it. it and was... if you're listening to this and you're like, I could bring a lot to an Anti-Racist Book and Movie Club, well, join us. <laughs> That's right. We really, we need as many of you in there as we can. Yeah, we like, are- this work is not going to do itself. Our next- um, meeting our next discussion is going to be in October I think it's the 17th of October I'm pretty sure um, and we're discussing the first half of Dr. Ibram X. Kendi's book How to Be an Anti-Racist mm -hmm. we'll discuss the second half of that book in our meet our discussion in November so we're breaking it up into two parts to make it uh, easier to tackle so yeah. anyway that was great um, but yeah that was that was like our last week and uh and now we're doing a podcast and now we're going to take a break mm -hmm. and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about a couple of the news items that struck a chord with us this last week mm -hmm. and, uh, and break that apart a little bit, but we'll be back soon. Back in a sec. It was a waiver of excitement. Is it? I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. We're going to do a news of Palooza. News of Palooza. I just made that up. I like it though. Good. It's... Thanks. That's kind of you. <laughs> In fact, maybe we should use this more frequently for something. It should be a new feature on the podcast. Just every so often. News of Palooza. It's just a catch-all. Because you know what? We have been off in our own little wilderness over the past like few months at this point. We've really been like delving deep into the concept of the idea of, of toxic individualism. Yeah, which has been so good. Yeah. But you know, every once in a while, you just got to come back down to earth and just like check in, <laughs> see what's going on. Yeah. You know, and like, we don't... Hello, Earth. What's going on? Oh, oh, okay. Okay, we're going back out. <laughs> oh, it's a time in the podcast when Shan does her microphone, I did, everybody. okay. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. Uh, so we're checking back in. News of Palooza. Mm -hmm. um, there are two... The two the two items that really stuck out to us over the last couple of weeks <sighs> that we thought merited some discussion here on the podcast where we aim to talk about the things that matter to us, mm -hmm. stuff that's important. These felt important. Um... The two things are the Texas abortion bill and the vaccine mandates. Uh, and so that's what we're going to tackle. Texas abortion bill. Texas motherfucking abortion so, bill. So I thought it would be helpful. I mean, you and I follow this By kind of way, stuff very... Pardon, pardon my foul mouth, everyone. Oh, Jeez. Yeah, okay. uh, you're pardoned. Okay. Um, so I don't know how closely our listeners follow news items like this. We follow it very closely. So I thought it would be a good idea for us to just give like... 
as brief as we can, a recap of what the Texas abortion bill is. It's bad. <laughs> like just specifically like what, what it entails and how it works and what happened with the Supreme Court to allow it to go into effect. And this is all, you know, based on our reading and our understanding. So like we're not experts, we're not legal experts, we're not like reproductive rights experts, but based on what we've read and what we understand, here's what we know. Yeah. Um, the Texas legislature and the governor, the legislature passed and the governor signed a bill uh, that, <laughs> that is a very, it's a very sneaky way to essentially outlaw abortion in Texas after six weeks. It's diabolical, I would almost say, as opposed to sneaky, because okay. it's like an evil genius kind yeah. of thing. Like, it's really, really smart, but imagine if they use their forces for good yeah, because so, they're using them for evil. So background here, like, reproductive rights and, and rights to an abortion are enshrined in U.S. law. This, that's what Roe versus Wade established yeah. in 1972. Two, mm -hmm. um, precisely as old as me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's 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 a it's it's established law. It's mm -hmm. been precedent that has been um, upheld for nearly fifty years. Yeah. At this point, it is well established law. It is a constitutional or. Yeah, a constitutional right. Yeah. Our um, constitution establishes that we will be a nation of laws. This is one of our laws. Ergo, this is a constitutional right. Well, and also it, it, it's, it was a, it, the decision in 72 was based on the constitution that, yeah, that the, the, the right, this kind of reproductive right is a constitutional right. Mm -hmm. So based on like the right to privacy and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, so when, when states try to pass laws that challenge that right itself, mm -hmm. they get knocked down in courts because it is well-established precedent and it goes through the, ju the judicial system and because of this well-established precedent and well-established law, these, these bans that states sometimes try to pass to stop abortions um, from being accessible, um, they get knocked down in court. This law is different. This law was not actually... Um, saying that the state itself can or would be uh, prosecuting people or, or enforcing the law right. if people tried to get an abortion. This law says that anyone who seeks an abortion or anyone who aids a person seeking an abortion can be sued. For any fetus older than six weeks. Six weeks, that's right. For any, yes, any pregnancy that is mm -hmm. six weeks or long or older than that. Right. Um, and we can get into that, that distinguishing, distinguishing factor in a minute, but anyone who's seeking an abortion or, um, or aiding a person in, in getting that abortion. So this is not just the, the clinics themselves, people, the people, the individual people who work at the clinics. Like, um, you, like your dad, if you ask him for advice, like you're the, the driver who drives you there. If you get an Uber, to go to the Planned Parenthood. An Uber driver could be held responsible. Yeah. Like literally the, anyone involved. Anyone involved can be sued by any other citizen. Any other private citizen. Who who decides to sue that person and they can be, and they, they could be, they can sue for like a minimum, I think of $10,000. It's not minimum, it's that amount. Oh, is it just that amount? Mm-hmm. Total. It's okay. like the, if if they win the lawsuit, they get that amount of money from the person they're suing, and they get and that person whom they're suing has to cover all of everybody's court legal costs, legal expenses, legal expenses. So, but if they lose this lawsuit that they bring, 
the reverse is not true. Right. They don't get, like, they don't have to pay for legal expenses. So there's no frivolous lawsuit exemption for this, nothing. Right. It's just completely so one-sided. the state is not paying these the $10,000. It's the individuals that are sued by other, essentially, vigilantes yeah. who, who, who are seeking to punish people for seeking an abortion. So... I mean, diabolical is really the right word here because this, if the state were trying to enforce this themselves, it would be challenged in court just like every other state's ban on abortions have been and it would be, you know, based on precedent, it would be struck down. It is, a, an esta- it is established law, it is established constitutional right that a person has a right to reproductive freedom in this, and, and have abortions, uh, abortion care. Um, and so by, by sort of outsourcing this from state, uh, from, from the state enforcing it to citizens, essentially enforcing it against each other, um, what, what Texas did in writing the bill this way was very sneaky because it did go to the Supreme Court, uh, that it was challenged, but the Supreme Court essentially um, shrugged its shoulders and was like, no, actually... This is a different way. This is a different kind of law. We've never really actually seen this before. We're not going to actually hear the case. Like they allowed the bill to go into effect by essentially deciding not to do anything about it. By deciding not to review it with through and go through the actual judicial process. What they said specifically, they said that the abortion providers who had challenged the law in an emergency application to the court had not made their case in the face of, quote, complex and novel procedural questions. And so what they basically said is because this is a novel legal situation, not unlike the novel coronavirus, right? Meaning we haven't seen this before. It's a legal situation that we haven't seen posed to us before. And so we don't know what to do. And so we're not going to make a ruling. But totally ignoring the fact that the underlying law in Texas is blatantly unconstitutional. So the Supreme Court of the United States allowed a flagrantly, obviously unconstitutional law not to be blocked because they're like, we don't know how to block it. Right. Which is completely... Other than we're in the Supreme Court and we can just block it. It's completely disingenuous of the Supreme Court to have done that. The the breakdown in the Supreme Court on this decision was was five, it was five to four. Yep. Um, The five conservative justices, as we say, uh, uh, voting, uh, voting to just let the law stand. Uh, John Roberts, who's the chief justice of the Supreme Court, who who's is also, conservative. also a conservative judge, joined the the remaining liberals on the court to become one of those four who voted against it. And his reasoning was was kind of squishy. Like I think he he was, I think maybe he thought it should be reviewed and go through the, the judicial system. He wasn't he wasn't he didn't vote against this as a way to preserve reproductive rights because he doesn't really give a damn about reproductive rights. It was more a judicial question for him. But the, but the, the, Sonia Sotomayor, Justice Sotomayor's, her um, dissent in this was just scathing. I mean, she ripped her colleagues a new one in terms of just uh, letting them and everybody else know what she thought about how they just willingly put their heads in the sand um, about their responsibilities as the Supreme Court to uphold the Constitution and to uphold people's rights, um, that that they just kind of like decided to turn their heads the other way and and look away from that from that responsibility in service of letting this law pass. And her, a quote from her from her dissent, mm-hmm. she says. 
taken together, this act is the act being the act of, of the Supreme Court right. is a breathtaking act of defiance mm -hmm. of the Constitution, of this court's precedent, mm -hmm. and of the rights of women seeking abortions throughout Texas. Yeah, and here's the thing: like this, the, uh, I just read before we started recording this podcast, actually, that the Justice Department has now filed suit um, against this law. So it's like this will this law will be challenged again. Like yeah. this the Justice Department is now sued and this this suit is coming from a different place than the one that, that the Supreme Court different legal angle. Yeah. So like this this law itself will be challenged. It takes a while for cases like this, however, to work their way through the courts, and who knows what happens along the way. The fact of the matter is that as we stand right now, People who are seeking an abortion in Texas, if they are over six weeks pregnant, cannot get an abortion in Texas. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is that is uh, the longer that that status quo remains, the the more abortion providers will have to close their doors. Like they, they, if they can't provide this medical procedure for people, you know, the financial hardship of staying open until they are until that right is restored. The, the practical the practical fallout from this is that um, there will be fewer abortion clinics available in Texas for people who need those services when all of this sifts out. If it sifts out positively, in, in, positively for people who who want to preserve abortion rights. So like. Even if this law is eventually overturned, damage is done. Yeah. Like damage is already done in reducing people's access to this um, this vital healthcare. And can we talk for a minute about what that means, like in terms of like why this is healthcare? Mm -hmm. Would that be okay? For, oh my gosh, to, of course. To delve into that. Yeah. Six weeks pregnant. <laughs> it's, it's not so, even, it's barely pregnant. It is, well, here's the thing. People consider when, when people and I've I've not been pregnant, so I haven't I don't have personal experience with this, but I've been I've been reading a ton of people who have been pregnant, who you know, who who have and, and medical professionals too who talk about how this all works. When they date your pregnancy, when mm -hmm. they say, Oh, you've been pregnant for X number of weeks, mm -hmm. the first day of that period of time is the end of your last period. Mm -hmm. So the first day of your pre your quote unquote pregnancy, like you're probably not pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> on that day. No. Because you're ovulate you're starting to ovulate the egg that will eventually be fertilized that will eventually become an embryo and a yeah. zygote and a fetus, right? Like so your first day of pregnancy there's unless you have It happen, could be three weeks later. It could be exactly <laughs> like, like medically speaking, yeah. the first day of your pregnancy doesn't it, it means it means nothing. It means you've got an egg that's coming out of your ova. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it, it's just it or your your I said your ovary. I said yeah. ova. Anyway, you have a you have an egg coming out of your ovary, and like that's the first death day one of your pregnancy. The egg is the ova, right? Yeah. That's I'm why sorry. it's called an ovary. Exactly. Anyway, it's like so, a bird in a birdhouse. An so, ova and an ovary. Exactly. <laughs> it's where it lives. <laughs> no, that's an aviary. Um oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> ovary or aviary. Which is it? Is it a bird or an egg? Mm, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which comes first? The bird of the egg. Okay. Okay, anyway, back on track. Back on track. <laughs> when you have two language nerds on a podcast, things can go south they rapidly. They really do. Okay, yeah. so so here so most most people who become pregnant don't have any idea that they are pregnant at 6 weeks pregnancy. Right. 
Like that, that's just a ridiculously early. So by the time somebody even realizes that they may need abortion care, it will be too late for them. It's probably seven, Texas. eight, nine weeks. I, I believe that the estimate was that, um, that by banning abortions after six weeks in Texas, that that will eliminate 85% of, of, uh, people who typically seek abortions. Like, it's just too late. I saw um, a, a post from somebody today who said that a woman came into their clinic in Texas and she was six weeks and one day pregnant. Oh, And my had to God. be turned away. Like, and so, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's just, it, it's, so, it's so incredibly frustrating. The, the propaganda that has been, that has been, um, circulated for decades now to get people into the pro-life movement, right? To be anti-abortion. That's has not pro-life. Really, it's pro-force birth movement. Yes, but that is really, it is really just distorted what pregnancy actually is. Mm. It has really distorted what um, embryos, zygotes, and fetuses actually are. Yeah, right. It is, it is distorted actually even... The, the, the reasons that people seek abortion, like abortion care is not just, oops, I got pregnant. I don't want to be pregnant. <laughs> like, Although that's valid. It is. Like, but we shouldn't be using that tone of voice. I'm sorry. Because you know what? If you don't want to have a pregnancy oh. at a certain time, you don't have a baby, then don't have a baby. That's your right. No, you're the woman. You're, abs- you're the person. You're the person with the, the uterus. I Maybe you're won- not identified as a woman. I 100% agree with you. I was trying to mock mm. the the propaganda, (laughs) you know, where like really the propaganda says it's just people being irresponsible with their, um, in having sex when they shouldn't be having sex Mm -hmm. and they should be taking responsibility for themselves. People using abortion as birth control. Exactly. Uh Which is honestly a perfectly valid reason to use abortion care, but it is so much more than that. Like people who get, uh, you know, a couple of months in, into their pregnancy and get a DNA test back that says that the, that the, um, the embryo is going to be not viable. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are faced at that point with the decision to um, either have a DNC, like have that pregnancy terminated and removed yeah. from them, or go through the, what can what is often and described by people as being very traumatic, the, the process of like naturally miscarrying or in some cases having carrying to carry, term. carry that to full term and give labor to have labor to, 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 you a, know, to a bring, dead baby. Yeah. To be something that's not a viable, you know, um, person. And, and so I, there's so many reasons. And I, and, and, and if you, if you just do a little bit of research, you can learn all the reasons why people seek and need abortion care. But the bottom line is that abortion care is health care. Yeah. And health care is a human right. Yes, it is. And what has, been, what has happened in Texas is that the, the Texas legislature and the governor have done this diabolical thing where they have not, they're not enforcing the ban that they've made on abortion. They have deputized... Uh, right-wing ideologues as vigilantes to go sue people who are trying to exercise their human rights. It's really wild. And it's completely messed up. I mean, it, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it's, it's honestly, 
it, it, it makes my stomach turn yeah. to think about the, the fact that people who need this kind of health care in the state of Texas right now can't get it. Yeah. Because... It's the, third world. It's wild. It is. Yeah. It's... it's I, I saw that uh, like the UN or some, some like international organization rates nations around the world in terms of their... Um, like they give them a score on their like human rights yeah. as, a, as, it, as it applies to reproductive rights. The United States is like way down on the list. Like us in Somalia. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But the thing is with this, uh, with this law and the way that Texas wrote the law, um, the fact that the Supreme Court just looked the other way or was like, la, 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 go ahead and ban abortion if you want to. You know, like that's essentially what their attitude was about it. Mm-hmm. There are a ton of other states now who are rushing to replicate laws like Texas's. There's like seven other states so right now that are rushing laws like this through legislature because so they know they'll work. It's not going to be just Texas. It's going to be other states that ban abortion at six weeks just like this. But it's not just that because essentially what happened and the implications of the way they did this is is much broader than yes. just reproductive rights. Do you want to? Yeah, absolutely. So basically, because the Supreme Court refused to uh, block an unconstitutional law, what they basically did was they completely upended the idea of uh, federalism, right? Uh, which is a sort of complicated, you know, doctrine. But what it basically means is that like states can make their own laws, but if there's a federal law that's in conflict with the state law, the federal law wins. The federal, right? yeah, and. What they basically did is said, "Nah, federal law doesn't. We're not going to enforce that winning. So you can do whatever you want. You can, you can, you want to deputize a whole bunch of citizen vigilantes. You want to pin tin stars on their chests and send them out to hunt down women who are having abortions. Then go for it. And also, it won't just end with that civil rights law. Well, here's an, here's it could be an, any civil rights situation. Here's an example. Like for years in the South, there were these Jim Crow laws that kept." Black people from voting and and uh, and uh, and that um, enshrined segregation in yeah. public places and in schools and and the Civil Rights Act actually was like a, it was a federal law it was a, a a federal law that said actually no you can't impinge on people's civil rights like that yeah. like basically the federal the federal government came in and said no 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 if you're a U.S. citizen these are the rights that you have. And end of story. Like we get, we're putting an end to the way that you are treating some of your population as second class citizens, as permanent second class citizens. The federal law trumped that. And so this is another example that, you know, if, if there are some states who'd like to maybe reestablish some segregation laws, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe they get around doing that by like, deputizing their own citizenry to or, or let's let's make it more like more tangible let's say they want to enact um laws that that keep certain people from voting yeah right the state couldn't enforce laws that you know that keep certain people from voting but the state could maybe pass a law that like lets poll observers show up with weapons to yeah. <laughs> polling places and intimidate people oh, or, and or the, sue them if they try to vote. And or, by the way, this is not theoretical because a whole ton of states have passed laws exactly like what Shannon just described over the last six months. Yeah. So the, but the point is that like this, the way that this sneaky law was written, this diabolical law was written, it was essentially a way to 
to, to allow Texas to not be subject to federal li- federal rights pro- federal civil rights protections. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a way for Texas to skirt uh, being subject to federal civil rights. The federal law. And that's not cool because no. there are... And the Supreme Court looked at that and said, go for it. Yeah. And that's incredibly messed up. Mm-hmm. That's just not how this is supposed to work at all. Mm-hmm. And it's going to open the door for other bad actors in other uh, far right-wing states or states with far right-wing leadership yeah. you know, to do exactly the same thing, to basically pick and choose which federal laws they do and don't feel like following, which is really weird because this is theoretically the party of law and order. But <laughs> it turns out no. only the laws that they like, the laws that they yeah. don't like, the federal laws they don't like, they're literally preempting at the state level and saying, actually, we don't feel like following that. And the Supreme Court is going, okay, that's fine. Yeah, the wild thing about this, uh, one of, well, there's lots of wild things, but one other wild thing about this is that abortion rights are extraordinarily popular, yeah. not just nationwide, but even in Texas. Yeah. Like the vast majority of citizens in Texas believe that people should have full reproductive rights and access to abortion care. It's like 59-41. It's not even close. It's, it's, it's not like a 49 to 51 right on the edge razor margin kind of thing. It's like 50% more people believe this than don't. Yeah. And yet the, the lawmakers felt emboldened to pass this law. And the reason for that is that they've got, they're, they're voting, like Texas is, is trending purple. Yeah. Like it's it's like it's definitely a changing demographic there. And like it's they've been becoming, importing tech workers from California for twenty years. It's, like it's changing. It's becoming more more blue. It's becoming younger, and there are you know immigrants coming and living. You know, so there's lots of reasons why the demographics are changing. But like it's changing. But they're but the way that they have set up their their gerrymandered districts, like they've got, a sh- the Republicans have a stranglehold on power in Texas that is unequal to the actual representation of the people who live there. So that's what you said earlier. You know, it's not just, you know, bright red states. Yeah. It's, it's that the, the people who are in elected office yeah. <laughs> have these extreme views and, and, and those extreme views don't represent the majority of even their own citizens. No, and the way they can feel confident in enacting unpopular legislation like this is because they are doing anti-democratic measures at the exact same time. Because that's the other thing that Texas did in this most recent legislative session is they passed this horrific voter suppression law. And you can look this up. We don't need to go through it, but just Google Texas voter suppression law. It's really, really bad. It's just like surgically targeted measures to make it so that black and brown and poor people can't vote. Mm-hmm. And that's how, and those people tend to vote more Democratic. So if you remove a few million Democratic votes, then you can, with a minority vote, mm-hmm. like maintain your power in the legislature and the governorship as Republicans and enact unpopular laws. Uh, this is called fascism. <laughs> yeah. It's rule by power. It's, it's, mm-hmm. th- that's what fascism is. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, it's, Terrifying, honestly, to see this happening and to see this working Mm -hmm. because what they're doing in Texas is they are enacting a blueprint for other bad actors, for Mm -hmm. other wannabe fascist states Mm -hmm. in America to follow. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's deeply discouraging. It is. So, you know, like in terms of how I was, you and I were personally feeling about this when it happened, (laughs) it felt like a gut punch. Like I, I honestly, it was heavy. It was very, it was, it was really hard to, to swallow. This is what's happening in the year 2021 in the United States of America. Um, 
And yet there have been a lot of those the last few years. So like it, it's, it, it, I have to remind myself, you know, I think that I had a, a vision of our country as a younger person that I, I thought I maybe believed that democracy just works out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're living in a time where we're show, being shown example after example that it doesn't just work out. We're not in the middle, we're not in the middle of a three-act play <laughs> in which, you know, everything is going to be resolved for the good at the end of act three. The Rock is not necessarily about to show up in a Humvee. <laughs> Totally, you know we are we are in the middle of of a dark forest for sure, but it's going to be up to us to get ourselves out. And so, you know, in thinking about some of the things that we're going to need to do to preserve civil rights and human rights in our country, um, it's going to involve preserving democracy and strengthening democracy. There are a few things um, happening in Washington right now that may help this cause. Um, I read today, just today, that um, the Senate, uh, the, the Democrats in the Senate have agreed on a bill. It's it's a bit of a stripped down version of the For the People Act that we've been trying to pass for months and months mm -hmm. now. It's actually um, pretty encouraging. It's not perfect because that's how compromise works, but it is, but there would be it's got most of the stuff that one would hope for. There would be provisions in there to strengthen voting rights nationally, um, to end partisan gerrymandering which would be a massive part of, of helping the situation. Um, it's not passed yet. They've, the Democrats have reached a, an agreement, but it still needs to actually pass the Senate. And it won't pass the Senate if a filibuster rule remains in place. That's going to have to be reformed or overcome. And it's, it's not written yet. Call your senators and yeah. let them know you want them to pass this. And like, even if you have a Democratic senator, like call your senators because... There is this weird thing that seems to happen in Washington, D.C., where people who go to work there just sort of start to think like, oh, the way we've been doing things for a while is the way things have always been, and that's tradition, and we need to maintain tradition because that's how you maintain mm -hmm. decorum. And, you know, this is not like some hallowed, long-standing tradition. What a filibuster is, is it's the ability for a single person in the minority party to stop popular legislation from going through. They don't really have to do anything. It's just a thing you say. You'd be like, I'm going to filibuster it. And it basically means that until you have a supermajority vote to overcome the filibuster, you can't move forward. Well, if you have like a, you know, 51-49, we have a 51-50 situation in the Senate right now. We have one we're up by one vote, Democrats, meaning that like we could pass stuff, but not if we need a 60, 40 vote to right. pass this filibuster, right? right. And so like the, the filibuster, it's a, it's a vestige of slavery and of Jim Crow. It, was, uh, it came into popularity in the late 1800s as a means of stopping civil rights legislation. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what it's been used for, including right now in 2021. That's yep. currently what it's being used Here for. Here we are. And so we need to get rid of it because that's bad. Yeah. It's not in the Constitution. It was a rule that was made in the 1800s. It's, so, it's just a Senate rule. Yeah, it's not even enshrined in law of any kind. And so we can yeah, just no one decide voted on to this. get rid of it. Yeah, it's not something that like we voted for as the American people. Yeah. Like, it's nothing like that. It's just the Senate decided this and, like because they wanted an excuse not to pass civil rights legislation. Yeah, yeah. So it's got to go. Um, so there's that. The other thing that I want to just put in the hopper here is that in the current state, the Supreme Court is not representative of the United States at all. It, like Donald Trump, a twice impeached, disgraced former president, 
nominated a full third of the justices that currently sit on the Supreme Court. We had a bunch of real bad timing oh, in terms of who died when. Can I also mention that he didn't win the popular vote either as president? No. <laughs> like, so the Supreme Court is vastly lopsided in terms of representation. I mean, and sort of illegitimate. It is. I mean, like the 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 Mitch McConnell wouldn't even hold a hearing on Barack Obama's nominee for the Supreme Court when Antonin Antonin Scalia died. Like he stole a Supreme Court seat from uh, like from Obama. Obama should have been able to nominate the person to replace Antonin Scalia. Yeah. Generally McConnell speaking, stole it. Generally speaking, like the Supreme Court is 5-4 or 4-5. It tends to be relatively centrist in its breakdown and its makeup, and it has been for decades. Uh, and that just tends to be a function of like, you know, when people t- like age out and who tends to be in office, and it, it kind of works out that way, you know? But, you know, that stolen seat makes it 6-3, which makes it so that it's not like there's a swing vote. It's not like things can go one way or the other. They're mostly just going to go the way the Trump well, justices want it to go, and that is like super hardcore right wing. It's another symptom of a minority party doing everything they can to hold on to power even when they when they aren't yeah when they, it's not legitimate <laughs> like it's it you know it's it's a it's a it's just a power grab by minority a minority party that yeah. that has landed us in the position that we're in the thing is though the supreme court has not always been nine justices and um this is a this is a time to consider and i i think that our representatives in dc ought to be considering um reforming the court including uh, the potential of adding seats to the Supreme Court and putting more justices on it to balance out what is currently a a completely illegitimate and lopsided um, situation. These justices are clearly, um, like, like, I think every, maybe every single one of the conservative justices on the court have come out of this federalist society, which Mm -hmm. is like this group that essentially like lobbies for, conservative justices to uphold these very narrow, specific conservative priorities. It's not that they lobby for them. It's that they groom them from college. Right, like right. People get into the federal society literally in college, like young campus conservatives kind of situation. Oh, but they're also funded by dark money and oh, yeah. give campaign donations to politicians that nominate and vote on their judgeships. Yep. Like it's all, it's all pretty screwed up and corrupt. Um, and you know, we we can do something about that. So this is another instance where we need to, you know, like it, it, I grew up thinking that the Supreme Court's always been nine justices. Of course, that's just the way it is. Nope, actually it's not. It's been a whole other set of numbers in various parts of our history. Mm-hmm. It can be a different set of numbers again. The number is not specified in our constitution or anything. If that's what's it required. It just says that like we need to have a Supreme Court. It doesn't say how many justices. Exactly. So reform needs to happen in the Supreme Court um, because even if even if a more representative government um, passes laws that actually represent what people think, like for instance, if, if, a, if a, uh, a Congress and a president uh, codified Roe versus Wade, codified reproductive rights. Like with, that like, means with like actual actually make it be a law, not a precedent. Legislation and it's signed into law. This can, this current Supreme Court might just overturn it because they're ideologically extreme in that way. Yeah. So court reform, that needs to happen. Um, I want to see us vote in people who actually think that court reform is appropriate and, ne- and needed at this point too. That would be nice. So. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was feeling much better earlier. Uh, can we talk about some better news? Yeah, so on the good news side of things, 
<laughs> vaccine mandates. So let's uh, spend less time on this one. Uh, yeah, for Only because sure. it's good and we don't need to rant about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but here's the basic deal. Uh, you know, President Biden... It's funny, I didn't think when he became president that I was going to be like that big of a fan. I mean, he wasn't Trump, and so I was like so stoked. Yeah. That was all that we needed, and we got that. But I was like, oh my gosh, this freaking guy has been around forever. He's not going to be that good. But he's actually been doing some stuff here and there that I'm like pleasantly surprised by, and this is one of them. Yeah. Like he actually just did something like really powerful and good. And also, here's the thing. It's also politically popular. Like there is overwhelming public support for yeah. vaccine mandates, for vaccinations in general. Yeah. This is another one of those things that like the media likes to play it up as both sides and oh, Republicans really don't like this. But what they don't say is that there are way fewer Republicans than there are Democrats. And also some Republicans are sane. And I don't mean like elected officials necessarily. There are not very many elected Republican officials these days who are sane. They've kind of all been replaced by Trump cultists Extremists. and that's like this huge problem. We have yeah. like an extreme Right, right wing faction representing a group of people that has some extremists in it, but also some non extremists. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I personally know, you personally know some people who identify as like, I'm a Republican, but they're good people. They're not psychopaths. They're not extremists. They're, they're not, not far an, right wingers. They're not anti vaxxers. They're not anti democratic. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, they're, they're not going for f fascism or authoritarian rule. Right. They just, you know, have a more conservative point of view, like the old school version of what conservative meant. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and like, okay, I don't, I don't agree with you, but like, I can respect that. People are different. That's okay. Sure. But like, you know, uh, broadly writ, like this vaccine stuff, it's, the game's already over. It's, it's not, it's not like oh. a complicated thing in terms of public opinion. The public is overwhelmingly like 75, sometimes yeah. 80, depending on the poll, like pro vaccines and vaccine mandates, yes. which means it's like 20 to 25% anti, which means it's like three to one. It's not even close. So in terms of like the politics of this, it's actually really smart for Biden to do vaccine mandates because a lot of people support that. Uh, yeah, but politics aside, it's just the smart thing to do in terms of like, raise your hand if you want to get out of this pandemic. Yeah. Like <laughs> for anyone who wants to be done with this shit, you know, this is how we're going to, this is the path out. And the, the fact of the matter is this, this wave that we're seeing, that we've been in the middle of for the last, I don't know, when did it even start? It's hard to. It started in like late July. It's hard to know when the wave starts. You don't feel it when it's starting. It's yeah. just all of a sudden you're caught up in it, right? I guess technically it started like early July. Like remember July 4th weekend, there was that yeah. first rumblings and then, then the, Aftermath of July 4th weekend is when it really kicked into gear because everyone got sick. Yeah. Like July, you know, 20th. But like hospitals are more overrun now than they were at any other time in the pandemic in a lot of places. Like Idaho has their shit so not together that they're sending us people to Washington. Mm -hmm. Idaho has a 45% vaccination rate statewide. That's like, unreal. Like there are literally like third world countries that have higher vaccination rates in Idaho. It's just insane. Well, and so Idaho has, we're just using that as an example because it's next door and we were reading a story about it this morning, 45% vaccination rate and their hospitals are full. The, uh, there's a hospital in Coeur d'Alene that is a 200 bed hospital that has 218 patients in it and they're having to turn people away. They are rationing care in Northern Idaho because they do not have the capacity in their hospital to serve all the people who need care. And we're They're not just talking about 
COVID patients. They're doing triage scoring, right? So whatever you come in the door with, like say that you come in the door with like, I don't know, like you need heart surgery, right? And like, it's serious, but you could probably make it maybe, I don't know. But then there's like a COVID patient where if they, the COVID patient stays in the bed, like the COVID patient has like out of 100, like a 72% chance of surviving. And you, the person who has a heart surgery, has a 68% chance of survival. Well, guess what? That unvaccinated COVID patient gets the bed and you die. Yep. That's how that's working. That's what rationed care means. That People- thing, like, remember when Sarah Palin was talking about death panels in 2012? Oh my God. This is literally that. It's a it's a board of people at a hospital scoring you based on your chance of survival and deciding whether you get treatment and live or don't get treatment and die. And let's be clear. The only reason that this is happening is because people have refused to get vaccinated. I think it's like, is it something like one in like 160,000 hospitalizations is someone who's unvaccinated or who's vaccinated? Is that what the number was? I don't it's know an, that It's an statistic. astounding number. Like basically everyone, everyone who's in the yeah. hospital for COVID right now, like you can be pretty much guaranteed that they are unvaccinated, which means that if those folks had been vaccinated, these hospitals wouldn't be overrun and people who need cancer treatments or heart surgery or their gallbladder removed wouldn't be dying because those hospital beds are taken up by unvaccinated COVID patients. It is infuriating. Yeah, Shannon's real mad, everybody. It makes my blood absolutely boil. I, I like... Shannon has this like bright red justice streak going right down the middle of her and this is just like in contravention of every single part of that. That bright red justice stripe is flashing right now it is pulsing with this is not right yeah this is not right so i am so grateful that the administration like look for months they like at the beginning of the year the beginning of the biden administration they went they did everything that they needed to do to secure enough vaccination doses for everybody in America. Everyone could they, get two doses for got, free. They, for free. They secured that right away. As soon as the doses became actually available, they rolled it out to the more vulnerable population first. Eventually, like by it was it was by like May, right? Yeah. But that anyone who wanted a vaccine could go get one for free. It is free. Did we mention it's free? You just go get it. <laughs> That's all you do. And and so we've we've had months and months and months to do this voluntarily. They did all the incentives. They did the ad campaigns. They did the talk to your neighbors and your families about getting the vaccination. Like they did they all did of the, the- we'll give you a six pack of Budweiser. <laughs> like some, there was a state that literally did that. It's amazing. They did all the things like it's the right thing to do. It's the, it's good for you. It's good for your family. They did all the ways they, that we could think of we did to try to convince people. But there were, and there still are like- like Fox News is still politicizing the hell out of this oh, yeah. and like sowing distrust in vaccines because if if the if oh it makes me mad From because the, if the, Joe the, if, yeah. if Joe Biden is perceived as having cured covid and done a great job with this pandemic he will for sure get reelected Fox News obviously wants Trump to get reelected not Joe Biden and so they're doing every single thing they can to 
undermine Joe Biden's COVID response. Well, what does that mean? It means as many people sick and dying of COVID Ugh. as possible because it makes Biden look bad. That's literally why this is so happening. so cynical. It's a calculated political move by uh, far right winger politicians it's and not, media companies. It's not cynical. It's evil. Like this is beyond cynical. Yeah. It is evil. Yeah. I'm so mad. Anyway. Shanna's so mad, you guys. <laughs> so like we, we did the whole trying to convince and yet there are still people who are refusing um, you know, I I, I I know a person who was recently in the hospital for over a month uh, being treated for COVID. Um, I don't know with certainty that this person wasn't vaccinated, but I pretty much know this person wasn't vaccinated. Yeah. It's even, even just based like on- Like we didn't talk to them, but just knowing this person- they probably weren't vaccinated. Well, and, and and I mean, just given the data on who gets hospitalized for COVID, yeah. that's enough to, to know that this person probably wasn't vaccinated. But also having followed their like social media posts over the last year and a half about what they think about COVID and, you know, it's a Democrat hoax and all that, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, like that's where they're coming from, you know. It's it's weird to to know a person who like like this person couldn't breathe like without assistance couldn't get up and walk more than a couple of steps. This person without... couldn't walk more than one step. Like they would take a step, and their O2 sat would plunge one right. step. And you know what that that what must be terrifying. Like I to know this person personally. Like I. I care about the fact that they probably were very terrified that they couldn't get a breath. Like, like that's terrifying. And I feel very badly for them. Like, that's, that's charitable like, of you. No, I, I mean, I, I'm sure that that's, it was a very, I'm sure it was a very scary experience for them, you know? And I feel that. And at the same time, I want to slap them across the face because first of all, they could have prevented this happening to themselves. Also, they took up a bed at that hospital for a month that probably was needed by someone else who didn't make any responsible choice that they did. I do. I, you you know, know what I mean? Like, I really do respect uh, your, your very equitable and charitable views toward this person. And I have a different view and it's just because I was raised with the idea of personal responsibility. And I tend, all things being equal, to believe that if you willfully act like a dumb fuck, you get what's coming to you. Yeah, I know. You know I what I mean? I really do. I believe in consequences. No, I, I feel and this you. And this is a consequence. I feel you. And if you're scared, if the, if the thing that you willfully made happen to yourself, and when I say willfully, I don't mean a split second decision you regret. I mean a series of recommitted decisions over and over and over and over and over every single day you don't get that vaccine for months and months and months. And not only that, but post a constant stream of shit on your Facebook, distance, discouraging other people from getting vaccinations. Or and from saying wearing that, masks. And saying doing... that the whole thing is a hoax and discouraging people from wearing masks. Yeah. And then this happens to you and you're scared Screw you, man. Yeah, oh, no. Like, I'm glad. Good, be scared. <laughs> Tell everybody you know about how scared you were because maybe that will encourage somebody you know to actually do the right thing. Yeah. Because that's yeah. what you should be doing in this time. You shouldn't be a selfish prick. You should be trying to be part of the team and help other people. Yeah, yeah. And fear is a powerful motivator. Yeah. So I hope they were scared. Yeah. I, I, I understand. I hate to sound like I have empathy fatigue, but honestly, like, it's it's... <laughs> For me, I have a limit to who, like, to where's the, there, there is a line past which if you just are flagrantly being this much of an idiot, right. I can no longer be empathetic toward you because you have done this to yourself yeah. and I believe in personal responsibility. Well, and, and, and these folks have done this to the rest of us. The reason that, you know, 
we're not in a position where we feel comfortable getting on an airplane to go back to visit your family right now is because we're in this wave that feels like maybe we would be bringing COVID to our unvaccinated niece yeah. who's underage. That's why she's not vaccinated. Yeah. She's not eligible yet she's for She's not it. like some weird 11-year-old Trumper. <laughs> she's 11 years old. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like there's, there's like we're all paying the price. And I love that Biden actually addressed that. Like that it's not just individuals who have chosen not to be vaccinated so far that are paying the price, we're all paying the price. Yeah. And man, I'm sick of paying this price. I was the kid in high school who showed up for the group project and did her work and often did the work of other people who were not responsible for doing their own work. Like, I'm sick of being the person doing all the work in the group project. I am so sick of it. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> yeah. So I was really glad to see, you know, these vaccine mandates. It's, it's you know, everybody who's a federal employee is going to have to be vaccinated. Everybody who is a healthcare provider at a facility that receives Medicaid or Medicare funds is going to have to be vaccinated. No honestly, testing option. Honestly, I feel like, yeah, no testing option. Like I, get vaccinated or get freaking fired. I cannot, I, I do not understand. And we've talked to people who work who work in healthcare, who, who have colleagues that, that have not been vaccinated. And I just, wow, I don't get it. Um, our friend, uh, John Pavlovitz, uh, had a tweet this morning. I was just looking it up. Oh, were you I was really? thinking the same okay. thing. Well, he had this wonderful uh, tweet this morning that was like, yep, totally right on. Um, you're probably about to find it exactly, oh, so I'm not yeah. going to try to quote it. He tweets a lot, so I've got to <laughs> scroll. I've got to scroll. I'm buying time. Uh, uh, let me see. Provider. I'm just trying to search on words. Man, I am not finding it. So go ahead, just summarize. Okay. The, the tweet, John, John tweets and he also auto tweets. And so he'll like have five, six tweets an hour and it's just hard. Yeah. So the tweet was something like um, the idea of, of doctors and nurses who are not vaccinated, who are giving care to patients in, in healthcare facilities who aren't vaccinated, that if they're not vaccinated, they are not caregivers yeah. in the most essential form of the word. Yeah. And I just love the way he phrased that. It's like, it's clearly, if you are working in healthcare and you have not gotten vaccinated, you clearly are, are just communicating that you do not care about yeah. your patients. Also, Hippocratic Oath. I know. Come on. Do no harm. First, do no harm. Yeah. So um, so I was really glad for that. And then the mandate for employers of, in companies of 100 uh, employees or more that you have to be vaccinated or subject to weekly testing and that employers have to give their employees uh, paid time off to get vaccinated. Yeah. Um, so like really removing the barriers to getting it done and OSHA is going to be a, uh, the ones uh, administering this rule, apparently. It's a rule through OSHA. Basically, like it's a, it's a protecting workers rule. It's yeah. like if I'm a vaccinated worker and I go into work and I'm having to work next to an unvaccinated you know, co-worker, my health is is under threat. And, and the I, health of your family. Exactly. And so this is, a, a, it's under worker protections, which I think is brilliant. And yes. I'm really glad for it. And the other brilliant thing about doing it that way is that it has been settled over and over and over in Supreme Court precedent that OSHA absolutely does have the right to establish rules to protect workers. Mm -hmm. It's uncontroversial. And because this is being done through OSHA, it's not going to survive any legal challenges. That's great. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I understand I, I, in one sense that the first approach was to try to convince people to get it on their own. I understand that. Yeah. Um, if people had actually done that, we wouldn't be in this uh, 
crushing time that we're in. Yeah. You know, for people who aren't working in healthcare, a lot of us can just not think about it. <laughs> but yeah. folks who are working in hospitals that are having to ration care and are stressed out of their minds with the level of patient care that they're doing. I mean, oh, it's just... Let alone, I mean, like set aside like healthcare workers, anyone working in retail, anyone working at Starbucks. Yeah. Who is standing at the front counter breathing COVID around you for yeah. 35 seconds? Yeah, yeah. You know? So I'm glad for the mandates. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. And, and in some cases, it's not even a mandate. Like in the, in the workplace one, it's, or the, the private companies one, it's more really of a choice. Yeah. <laughs> Get vaccinated or test weekly. Go ahead and choose. It's a testing <laughs> mandate with a vaccine option. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there's the news of Palooza. There were only <laughs> two news of Palooza items. Two's a Palooza. Who's a palooza? Two news of paloozas. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. No. Um, you know, big things that are happening in our world, in our country, that felt like they deserved a little bit of our time. And so we gave it a lot of our time, actually, maybe more than we really signed up for, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe more than what you signed up for. Are you even still listening? Thank you. And that, well, if you're still here. That's a real tree falls in the forest kind of question, isn't it? Yeah, it totally is. Because if they're not listening, then no. I know. No, they're not. Yeah. But if you are, thank you. Yes. <laughs> All right, people. Thank you so much for listening to our uh, podcast. We are going to see you next week. We are going to, in the meantime, go keep Shannon's mom company so she doesn't have to spend her birthday by herself yeah. because pandemics are weird. Yeah. Yeah. We are. Uh, Please support our work, people. Misfitstars.com slash support. Frankly, uh, and this is sort of more of a, a personal uh, appeal to you, we could use your support. You know, we've done a great job weathering things thus far. That said, this is the second year in a row that we haven't been able to do our normal uh, tour that we do each summer, which typically is 75% of our income. We've made it through okay so far, and we're grateful for that. But, you know, winter's coming. Yeah. So, misfitstars.com slash support. I think for those people who watch Game of Thrones, that winter is coming has more significance. Good call to action for them. Yeah, I don't know what it means because I've never seen the show. <laughs> I, I've, I've seen, seen a poster. I, I think there's a big buff guy and his name is Winter. Oh, okay. I don't think that's true. Okay. I don't know. I believe you because I've never seen the show. I could just really see anything. That's cruel <laughs> of me. Yeah. I have never seen the show either, so I feel free to make up whatever comes into my head. I think that's valid. Sure. Yeah. Y'all, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Mm -hmm. We'll see you next week. Uh, in the meantime, take care of yourselves. And be good to each other. Yeah, we love you all. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Bye.